Hello everyone, and welcome back to session one of the Pitman Sculptia, an Apocalypse Keys mini-series here on Speculate, where we are joined by two guests from Queen's Court Games. Where we last left off, our wonderful middle-of-the-road team from Division has now been given their initial task, and while Gaining more information about the Veiled Gentleman, a sculpture by August Pittman, and the weird circumstances upon which it has resurfaced in the public, a limo driver let them know that he was waiting outside for them. Look at everybody else and just be like, for once I think we're traveling in style. They've made such a mistake. The gloved hand just reaches up and points at Tempo and says, This you? I did not commission this vehicle. And uh, I look to the driver. May we know the patron? I don't know anybody's name. I just got this card, this address, and was told to bring this limo and four pressed suits. And he hands you... A white envelope that has already been opened. The envelope is embossed with the logo that is not the logo of Division. And inside is a card that is similarly embossed. That just has a location and a time. That location being an address in LA. You are, for context... In a 20 foot, 20 square foot uh, prefab building on the edge of a highway in the Midwest. Interesting. I, suppose... I mean, the limo's already paid for, yeah, and I mean... it's LA. Better than whatever this place is, just is at the building that you're in. I have never been to a law. I shall go. It's very bright. Uh, did we also. Also, I'm under orders to ensure that you change into the suits that are in the limo, or you can't get in. Curious. Uh, he uh, actually goes back to li- the limo, takes mm-hmm. a hanger back out, brings it to you. It is a well-pressed black suit. This, the, w- the one that is presently in his hand, looks like it would fit Sierra perfectly. And it has a silver pin on the lapel that looks like the logo that is not the logo of Division. I feel like he did this on purpose. Oh yeah, you highly suspect so. It is either because the company wants Tempo to look as professional and deliberate and inviting as possible as a member of the organization, or to punish the rest of you in particular because you <laughs> actually have style. I feel like this is a both situation. Uh, two mm-hmm. birds, one stone. Yep. But John is uh, also not the type to, to mess around. Uh, understands mm-hmm. the, the cage that she lives in. So just gloved hand picking up. I assume they are sized appropriately for all of us. So there's like a giant muscle bound tempo one and then descending from there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So then obviously grabbing the one that belongs to them, stepping around the limo so that the bottom half is not visible and then just begins changing. Um, But gloved hands covering their eyes while the others 
go about the business of dressing and undressing. Sierra doesn't uh, have any shame at all to change into this thing. Amalil is a cosmic entity compacted into a corpse that is definitely not theirs. So, yeah. Also, just changing happily in the street. NBD. The Slimo Driver looks at all of you very awkwardly. I mean, it was, yeah, I'm not changing in the street. I'm in the, I'm in the building, but I'm not like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. To be clear, John didn't, John didn't give a shit. John's just going about it. Like, not, I was not changing out the undergarments, but yeah. Tempo steps behind a light pole and has changed. Hey, uh, you're that. You're the guy. What does the the thingy with the and the thingy with the thingy? I am not. That's you, tempo. right? Yeah, tempo. That's rad as fuck. You're rad as fuck. You know that? I'm driving. You don't need me. You can fly. Well, I guess they can't fly. I guess no. that's why I'm here. I do not I'm drive driving. well. I am grateful for your assistance. I'm grateful to have you in my limo. Wait, wait, what's happening in LA? Where, where are you? Is it one of those like fancy? Is that where the society of humanity meets to do its like superhero thingies or whatever they call it? That information is best kept secret for your own safety. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, mm hmm, mm hmm. I get it. Anyway, whenever you're ready. I'll do the mm. thing. There's not champagne. They put water, but there are drinks in the it's limo. Fair. It's going to be a while. Alcohol doesn't agree with me. So say we all, friend. Anyway, he gets in the driver's seat in the mm. limo. Uh, Amalil hops around and it's kind of obvious they've never put on a suit before because there's a certain way of tugging down things and smoothing things as you go so that it lays nicely. Amalil said earlier that they were a cosmic entity stuffed into a corpse that wasn't theirs. It's very obvious. So they technically have a suit on. It does not look good or respectful, but they're very pleased that they have achieved this. Mm. Yeah. Sarah uh, has not put on the suit jacket, kind of has it like slung over her shoulder, got everything else, the vest and everything, not wearing the tie either, uh, and has the um, like the sleeves of the shirt rolled up to her elbows. You can see all of the, the sort of circly, you know, swirling burn marks that mark her uh, arms. There is a brief moment when the, when the limo driver idly turns around catches a glimpse of your arms and then just kind of very rigidly faces front again, as if obviously frightened by something. Is everyone in? Mm-hmm. Yep. And as the screen is still open, uh, he goes, okay, cool, let's... All right, and I was supposed to do another thing. He gets back out of the limo, goes to the back of the limo, touches something beneath the limo, and then gets back into the driver's seat. Okay, this weird night is about to stop being weird, and he starts the limo and drives. Everyone notices almost immediately that even though the limo says that it's going 65, outside seems to be moving remarkably faster than it should be. The driver very briefly goes, I guess it 
didn't stop being weird yet. What the fuck was that button? We are experiencing extreme velocity. Yeah, do we feel as if it's going that fast? Or is the interior, like, inertial dampened or whatever? Yeah, it feels like you're moving at 65. The vehicle looks like it's moving at 65. So you are barreling out of the Midwest at breakneck speed. So, Brandon, is there a giant alien person-sized seat? Or am I kind of, like, awkwardly knees-high, hands-on-knees? No, yeah, you're kind of you're you're kind of squeezed in the thing. It is also very obvious that your weight is very awkwardly like not not terribly, but very visibly ex- like expressing a great deal of weight on one side of this limo. But it seems to be getting on very well, or at least moving so quickly that it cannot really notice exactly how much peril it is. It's in. It's also very weird that you're moving at this speed because you are. On streets with other cars in them, and you are stopping for traffic without decelerating, but you are otherwise moving very quickly whenever you are not stopped. It takes you maybe four hours to get what to get into what is obviously California, and only a few minutes again to get to a diner on a side of the road in. Uh, Los Angeles, where there is obviously a small crowd of people gathered in the just before dawn of this um, space. And there are lots of police officers as well who have cordoned off the entire diner, including the driveway. I will add that for the duration of the journey, uh, Jane has framed Tempo's face with the glove hands and has been drawing a portrait or sketching a portrait in the notebook and not taking any questions, not acknowledging it at all, just proceeding as if, as if this is not invasive or weird uh, mm-hmm. until the portrait is finished. Sierra attempts a nap. Just to Amal- clarify, uh, I want to hear what Hamaliel is doing first. Hamaliel is attempting to look less like a rumpled mess in their suit. They ask one of the other members to help them with this weird thing that they have to tie around their neck. It's a bow tie. And they're also trying to figure out how to, as per usual, adjust the talisman paper that's kind of stuck to the top of their head. Uh, because that's just a permanent fixture of their being. I, I don't think Tempo's hands are cut out for tying a necktie. Does Ciara know how, or does John have to? Ciara does not know how. So I think because Tempo is a celebrity, Tempo has probably had to go to a lot of formal events. And so I think maybe we get this, the weird but um, perhaps heartwarming moment, like moment of Tempo trying to very delicately help Pamaliel uh, tie a bow tie and then adjusts the paper and says, this accessory may be asymmetric as an, exe- as a accent to complement your symmetrical form. Do not worry if it is off to the side. Hamaliel beams up at Tempo and says, You are a nice person. We don't have to live together. (laughs) We may discuss this later. While this is happening, Jane, 
You were a Sketling Temple, yes? Mm-hmm. You are torn between. Oh, this is a move. Yes. I remember how to play this game. Oh, God. Where is it on the character sheet? Got it. Yes. Okay. I can do this. Ah, when you are torn between your monstrous nature and your human heart, I have to decide to either let your monstrous nature show and describe the damage your outburst causes, marking one ruin, describe how you diminish your power and conform to the pressures of humanity, losing all darkness tokens, or spend a bond with someone. While you are drawing tempo, you notice very idly. It just kind of happens, and you know that it's happening, but it doesn't really draw your attention immediately, but you are aware that it is happening. You are smiling almost viciously at this drawing. It doesn't dawn on you that you've kind of slipped back into this dangerous territory from pre- from earlier in that evening until you notice that you're adding puppet strings to the shoulders and elbows and finger joints of this drawing of tempo. You're beginning think, to think you probably shouldn't have drawn this. I think uh, it's also um, that when you, you start drawing, I assume, I'm not an artist, but there's there's the framing of the features first, but there's a, a moment where it condenses down into details, but then the lines have gotten more blurred, so it starts to form an abstract shape that at some point in the middle of the process, I've begun to depersonalize the image and make it look like... I don't think canonically established that any of you know what it looks like when Jane does what Jane does, but if you did, that is what uh, you see. I think... In this case, because we're so close to the having failed before, that the voice is still incredibly present and that the monstrous nature is what comes through. And so Jane doesn't realize it, but I don't know how we're arranged in in the limo, but Jane doesn't realize it. But at some point they got up off of the, the seat and we're just getting closer and closer and closer to Tembo, like pulled in by the gravity of the power, but also the knowledge inside that like we need to touch in order for this to work. I know we don't, we don't want to make it all the way, but I think the last step before the, the transformation process is complete is that we have to make honest to God eye contact. So as Jane is still scribbling down, the gloved hands come up and remove the mask. And you can just stare into the the blankness that is a totally it, it's it's a figment of a memory, it's a blurry figure, it's a mannequin face. And the longer you stare at it, the more it starts to form into something that you remember. Which like you know is impossible, but right. yeah. So I have a I have a pitch for damage here is do you accidentally somehow puppets the driver? I'm, I'm open to this idea. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? I mean, it's terrible. I am open to this idea because it makes this entire, it makes the actual dealing with the diner situation a whole lot more intense. Um, so because this was happening while you were on the drive, rewind just a little bit from before you actually get to the diner. You are on the highway near this diner. It is like 
maybe 18 feet before actually making the reasonable turn into the driveway to park. Jane, you take off your mask. Tempo, again, you are seeing what is one of those faces that you are sure is in your memory, but when you try to reach for it, it just kind of briefly eludes you every single time you try to settle on Aphitia. Just when it starts slowly kind of coalescing into what would otherwise be the pale human version of the face of your father. All of you feel the car jerk to the right. You hear, you hear the driver press very vigorous, vigorously on the gas. You see the limo fly up the edge of the drain on the other side of the highway and fly into the uh, parking lot of this diner. There are four police officers underneath where you will eventually come to a stop. They have to go tumbling out in the, of the sides like uh, a buddy cop movie just to narrowly escape being crushed by this limo. All of you very suddenly just kind of collapse onto the vehicle. One of the doors just kind of pops out from the force. The airbag hits the driver so vigorously at the chin that he obviously just got whiplash and something is broken, but no one can tell what. He is now unconscious. All of you are in division uniforms, remember? Mm-hmm. It's their fault. I think that... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, because I'm still looking at Tempo, the face of that you were seeing goes away. It is the face of the driver immediately, and then it, it absorbs into the mannequin shape like, like paint soaking into something. And then that's when Jane snaps out of it and is just scrambling across the floor for the mask in this this catastrophe and they have no concept of what's going on aside from oh my god i've done i need to no cops no crash no nothing just instantly so inside of themselves mm-hmm. remember to mark one ruin also because you were not sitting down you obviously got the worst of that tumble but mm. i was eh, asleep you're you're just you're just above a human so it doesn't really bother you but you did get scrambled quite a bit um, um sits up mm-hmm. and goes that was terrible is everybody okay before anyone can reply there is a knock on the the passenger side glass by tempo it's no i was going to open the door but it's funnier for tempo to roll the do- oh, i guess <laughs> do we have a roll window or a button window they're both funny. there's a button okay there's a so button a very long finger reaches out and presses the button the window moves very slowly and then there is there is a point at which it stops moving and the act of making it move any further obviously makes this very loud cracking noise Hamaliel sees this, and are we tilted, or are, have we landed on wheels? Are we on the roof? What, what's our? You've landed on. You've landed on wheels. You've landed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you've landed. So, Otherwise, fine. The tires are busted. The axle is busted. But you are. Okay. We are not critical. leaving here in this car. Okay, okay so Hamaliel scoots over, 
reaches out, puts their hands on the window, and just shoves it down. Because they have colossal strength, and they can do that. It it shatters into very small <laughs> splinters of glass in your hands. Oh no, that was vandalism. And is there someone outside that we can see now? There are two police officers standing outside. They're both looking at everyone in the car very sternly. Uh, One of what them, are the presumed genders of these police officers? According um, to a cosmic being who is compressed into a corpse that's not theirs. Uh, both male, one younger than the other. The elder one says, Any reason why y'all decided to go airborne on the highway? Hello, Mr. Police Officers. We experienced physics. All of us are alive. Medical assistance for a driver is necessary. He wasn't drinking, was he? No. Can you render medical assistance? Yeah, we'll call somebody, but y'all can't be here. This is an active crime scene. Wait. You look familiar, fella. He's pointing at Tempo. I am known as Tempo. Hey, you're Tempo. Yes. You're the guy who does the thing with the hands and the stoppy timey. Yes. This isn't. So the the elder police officer pauses for a moment, like looks down as if he's seriously lost in thought. He turns then to his younger uh, comrade, who's like. No, it's just that ordinary crime scene. And then he turns back to you, Tempo. And he goes, So I don't know what's the deal with this thing, but I guess since you're here, you might as well look at it, because this is mighty freaky. He makes to open the limo. He makes to open the limo door on your side. The door does not budge. I help by reaching over the busted window that I have destroyed opening the door with colossal strength and then yanking it open and kind of like swigging out with it as I go. What actually happens is you, when you pull the handle up, you pull the door up and out of its hinges. And when you push out, you're really just lifting the door and moving it. Oh, in that case, I walk in a uh, quarter circle in order to imitate holding the door and swinging it open. And then I carefully walk around it, so I'm holding the door for my friend. Ah. Mm. So I float out, kind of still scrunched up, and then stand up to full height, uh, nodding. Thank you, Hamaliel. Officers, we will render what assistance we can. I kind of roll out, because I was sleeping and then this happened, and I probably really haven't righted myself. It was just easier to roll out. I know that uh, Jane is going to be the last one out because they are scrambling, not scrambling, but creeping towards the, the divider that separates the passenger cabin from the driver cabin. They know what's happened, but she needs to see it for herself. So you have like camera over Jane's shoulder looking through as she pushes down the divider or, or uses the, uh, the motor button or whatever. And whatever the driver looked like beforehand, have you, have you seen the pictures where they do, like, the average face of a certain nationality and they've just blended every picture of someone from Spain together? So whatever nationality the driver is, that is who they are now. Like, average, uh -huh. average, average height, average shape, average weight, 
like the modal human of their origin. Mm-hmm. Would it be um, okay if Hamaliel had like stuck their head back in because they're holding this door for everybody to leave and then obviously Jane hasn't come out. So would it be okay if they stuck their head in and it's like, what are you doing? Has Hamaliel ever seen this happen before? I think it would be more interesting if no. Because yeah. we don't know how your powers work, right? Right. I'm, I'm, it's that line between what I'm trying to let the audience know and then what the, the characters know. Whichever you think is more interesting, then yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, I probably haven't. Because new-ish, mostly hang out with Tiara. Haven't really hung out with you that much. Um, but I know to T-pose uh, for the picture. That's probably an office rumor. They make fun of it. Like, oh, you're a T-pose, but you took it literally because the, the nuance of the joke was lost upon yeah. me. <laughs> um, in that case, so you, uh, you, you poke your head in still holding the door and then said what? What are you doing? It's an immediate guilt. And I think it would be unusual because Jane's tone is normally very flat. He doesn't tend to emote. So when you hear even like that very compressed, guilty sound, it is clarion compared to their normal kind of speech. But utmost denial, like like kid caught smoking at school. Oh, like nothing, mom. Uh, just stamping it out, like rolling the window back up. Nothing's wrong. Very eagerly leaving the car. Uh, John, if you already haven't, take one darkness token. I would like to reveal my heart. Oh, ho. Yes. Um, so in this particular move, it's a basic one. When you reveal your heart to someone and try to sincerely connect to them, you spend darkness tokens, none of which I have, and roll. This can go catastrophically. <laughs> Indeed it can. Okay, yeah. But... Do we know, do all of us know that John can pick up on surface thoughts and emotions? Because you mentioned earlier that you're constantly picking up on surface mm -hmm. thoughts and emotions, but do we know this? Or is it secret? I feel like division would, there's got to be some kind of onboarding process, right? Like there's an inherent <clears throat> danger of just putting a bunch of superheroes in a room without getting some ground rules down. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's like a database or a dossier, but... The, the two things people know, like, don't think of anything too loud because this little bastard will hear it. And two, like, he's going to do the face thing. Division did write a briefing on Jane for and many of the other, uh, other teams or individual members that you have interacted with. And it's also, like, readily available in roster records as well. But for the most part, even Division supervisory is not perfectly aware of the fact that you are always on in that sense, so it's not in the dossier. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, um, in that case, because Hamaliel's base nature is a pretty violent and destructive one, when John first scrambles out, just, goodbye, the instinctual reaction is don't you ignore me, kind of like a physical pulse of anger. But then Hamaliel scrambles out after Jane, 
and does an emotional amplification on themselves deliberately to try and take the fact that, hey, I actually am concerned about you and deliberately cultivate that into like the dominant emotional response. So Jane feels like this neutron star flare of absolutely incandescent fury at her back. And then suddenly like it is abruptly eclipsed by like an even stronger go of, oh no, 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 no. I am really worried about you. I'm determined to be worried about you. I am very worried about you now. And then you hear Hamalia running after you and then saying, I'm going to grab your arm now. And then they grab your arm and give it a tug and say, you look stressed. Why are you stressed? And you can tell that there's this focus of maintaining that I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. I am keeping this my dominant emotional response. I am concerned about you. That's such a cool beacon thing. That's so cool. Do you need to roll before we resolve how the question goes? Yes. So reveal my heart. Let's go. And I have two bonds with uh, this character. So I'm like, please. I don't have darkness tokens. That's a six. But what do I need to make it a hit? So you could spend both of your bonds with Jane and turn it into an eight, which is a perfect hit. Okay, yeah, I am doing that. Right? Is that that game mechanics, everybody? Yes. I think you can spend more than one bond. Uh. Uh, if oh I no! I could only se- I could only change the result by plus one or minus one. Okay. So either way, it would still be a failure. Yeah, you can only spend up. You can only spend a bond to only spend one bond in specifically that order. So okay. unfortunately, it'd still be a miss. It would still be a miss. Yeah. I think if I have a suggestion, because the consequences something interrupts or undermines the moment, mm-hmm. and. We've talked about how that the touch is kind of what gives it away. So if mm-hmm. Hamaliel reaches for like a like his their wrist, for example, mm-hmm. and then finds skin, it's that immediate connection. And because Jane isn't ready for it, there's no guard up there, no walls. So we're both at our like peak emotional state, and it's just mm-hmm. like two live wires connecting. Mm-hmm. And so I would say like what undermines the moment is like you're legitimately concerned, but then you you touch Jane and like cinematically the rest of the world would like just go dark and you'd have this vision of Jane standing but this figure menacing huge in the distance and then in between Jane and that distance are all the people that they have taken over the course of their lifetime so it's this vision of being close you're grabbing John's arm and then instantly can see the hundreds and thousands of identities that they have consumed all stretching out into the distance with this eldritch thing, this just mass of, of malevolence, formless, but clearly meaning you harm. And that um, either it's not what you expect or because like the raw fear that comes off of this thing is what stops the connection from forming because you would reel away from that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
I want to add a detail to this, if you'll allow me. In this moment, you are also present. And whatever you are about to feel or visualize is a thing that Hamalia will also witness, but you you will also be consciously experiencing it just the same. What about this moment, what in this scene, makes you feel your least beautiful? The the one thing that is ingrained into people across cultures is that humans are social creatures and we form friendships and we love and we have family units and we're not the strongest mammals on the planet and our bodies are actually kind of crap for the world that we inhabit in terms of how like squishy and soft and pokeable they are. And we have only been able to rise to the level of human civilization because we can connect with one another. But that connection, Jane is acutely aware of, of why, what they have to give up. That you can never, even like shaking hands with the doctor when you walk into a room is a risk. And there's this combined weight of of the exhaustion of keeping that barrier up of the profound loneliness of that experience weighed against the deep inside urge that they are denying their purpose in doing that so it's this this tremendous burden of being cut off from the thing that makes humans humans because the alternative is something they don't want to face. So you've got that sadness and then just fear that if I let my guard down for one moment, if I laugh at someone's joke, that can be the kind of connection that sets this ball rolling to the point where it's either another face gone or a door opened. And that if you if you looked inside to find Jane's heart, that is all it would be is just loneliness and fear. Both of you very obviously share that acute awareness of that fact as Hamaliel sees, but Jane does not see, all of those various bodies in that vision holding out their hands towards them, trying to reach them, trying to touch them, And before one of them gets very close enough to do so, someone knocks on one of the surviving panes of glass on this limo and turns to Hamaliel and goes, Uh, you okay there, friend? You snap out of it, you feel like a whole minute has passed in that beat. Um... I would like to say I gained darkness tokens because I now feel very unloved and abandoned. Oh yeah, definitely take two of those. Okay, Hello, so I... <laughs> I'm Jane. I am made of abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Hamaliel looks around and whoever's at the door just sees that they have just two twin tear tracks down their face. Uh, you good, pal? This is the younger police officer speaking to you, Hamaliel. I think my heart is broken. And then Hamaliel runs out of the limo. Is the door still in your hand? 
Yeah. <laughs> you clock a third police officer square in the center of his entire body. He goes like, you know how in anime and you punch someone so hard that they actually go slide, sliding against concrete? He actually gets up off the ground for an inch and a half, grates the heels of his feet against the ground and then falls over against the side of the diner. He is now unconscious. Are you still holding the door when you get into the diner? Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm in emotional distress. That's fair. You hit the right side of the double doors of this diner so hard, it pops both of... It pops the entire double door section off of its hinges and shatters the entire glass of that right um, side. And it just kind of falls over in, uh, falls over inside the diner. That other... The left-hand door shatters as well. And that's when you finally realize you are holding the door. Um, so another thing I gain darkness for is when I overreact with violence. Oh uh, yeah, take three. Take three. <laughs> Just over here like, I thought I was the mess. Uh, so you just I mean, see- you being aware of this fact, you are, you, are, you are acutely aware of the fact that if you don't specifically narc on Hamaliel Ta'aya in your debrief, this will probably be blamed on you. Yeah. Uh, Hamaliel's just standing there holding the door by the outside handle, just going, Okay, okay. okay. And like, mm-hmm. they're just crying, and then looks at Ciara like, I'm in emotional distress! Okay, 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 um, uh, Ciara, just like, uh... I don't know how to deal with my own emotions. How do I deal with other people's emotions? Uh, Tempo, do you have Sierra? whatever this is? Sierra, hmm? take two darkness to to Okay. And, and just look over at Tempo, just being like, do "Does somebody have... feel calm right now?" Doing my best. Do you have this? Whatever this is, can you take a look at it? As I help our friend. Tempo, uh, is... you have been on cases where this team has been this panicked. You are, you have never been more calm in this moment. So not here. Uh, Tempo walks over, takes the 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 door, using time distortion to stop gravity from dropping it until they have removed it from Hamaliel's hands. And then time resumes and it crashes to the to the floor, but not on neither of them. Uh, and I'm looking at Hamaliel saying, let the emotions be like a comet. They will pass through your system and go on as they have come from other. They go and become other. You remain. I was responsible for throwing comets once. And those comets are not you. The emotions are of you, but they are not all of you. I have had Um, to learn this myself. Amaliel nods. And then suddenly perks up again and goes, Jane is still in the car. I abandoned Jane! And then turns around and runs back out to the limo. I think uh, it, it would take a moment to, to recollect and such, but Jane would have exited the vehicle. So at this point, if, if Hamaliel turns and then Ciara and Tempo have been dealing with the emotions, just the three of you then turning to see Jane standing outside of the car, 
the hands in pockets, mask on, incredibly grateful that you can't see their face. I can't see your face, but I can see the policeman that I clocked. Oh yeah, he's just out cold on the floor to the side. There are two beat cops. One has uh, a notepad that he, that she's taking notes in. The other is taking photos with a camera who are very obviously very uh, obnoxiously glancing at you all by the door. And as soon as you turn to look at them, they go back about their business very suddenly. Amalia turns very slowly back to look up at Tempo. And their voice sounds very watery as they say, I assaulted a civic servant. I have been assured that medical assistance is already on the way. We can render the greatest assistance by investigating. 